Well, former President Trump has watched others testify in his civil fraud tra trial, but now it'll be his turn. Trump will take the stand today in a Manhattan courtroom. It is a pivotal day in the New York Attorney General's case against him and his business. Trump is accused of committing fraud by inflating his assets to get better terms on real estate loans. He's rejected all the allegations, insisting he's done nothing wrong and that the case is a political witch hunt. A reminder, this is a bench trial. There is no jury for Trump to play to, just the judge, the judge who has already fined Trump twice for violating a gag order that prevents him from speaking about the judge's staff. Joining us now, former Trump White House communications director and the founder and managing partner of Skybridge Capital, Anthony Scaramucci. Um, the idea that there has been reporting that behind the scenes Trump is not worried about testifying, he's excited to some degree, his son has said publicly. Um, do you think he's cognizant of the fact that there are actual risks here to some degree? I do. I think the the president, uh, for all of the bluster and so forth, uh, I think he's going to be very well coached on the stand. I think he understands the stakes of perjury. Uh, he doesn't want to trip over a wire into another potential felony charge. And so, uh, and he's also a stage performer, Phil. So he will be ready for this, and he'll be way more subdued. And I don't know if you've caught him at any of these indictments or arraignments. Uh, I'm not saying he's nervous in those situations, but he's definitely way more subdued than the bluster you would see him at one of his rallies. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of facets to Mr. Trump's personality. Uh, I don't think you're going to see the bombastic facet during this uh, testimony. He, in his first deposition, there were two in this case, he took the fifth like some 400 times. Right. In the second deposition, he didn't answer questions directly. He talked about uh, how great his presidency was, et cetera. What would you expect him to do on the stand today? More of the fifth or? No, I think no? he's, he's going to answer questions and he's going to do that securitist thing, Poppy, that he does. I don't think he's going to answer the questions directly. He's obviously going to state his innocence. Um, but remember, this is a civil trial. And if he perjures himself, it flips over into a felony. And that's a very big deal for him. And he's got 91 other indictments going on at the same time. Now, there's bluster inside the campaign related to that as well, because you just showed polling. If he gets convicted, uh, that's going to be a hammer blow to his potential election. On the January 6th. Exactly. Uh, on, on the election case. fraud. Right. Yeah. So this is, a, this is a minor case that could end up being a big deal if he mistestifies. If he says something in court that is uh, under oath, that is false, uh, it's going to be a lot of trouble for him, particularly with a judge that has already uh, given him two gag orders. So, uh, yeah, I know the guy pretty well. He'll be very subdued. Uh, he'll be polite and respectful in that court. That's my prediction. Do you think he, you're in finance? You're in New York? This is Trump's world? This is Trump's kind of his entire being is wrapped it's up in this. It's not just New York. It's Trump's world, unfortunately. No, I understand that. But I think that we've seen it's kind Trump's of the... world. We just happen to be living in it. <laughs> Indeed. Many days it's felt like that in the last right. six or seven years. Um, but the kind of visceral response that he's had and people around him saying this is so personal for him. This is his, this is his business. This is his name. This is his everything. You think he'll be able to keep it together or keep it a little bit more low profile on the stand, despite yeah, that. that. Yeah, so that's my prediction because of the nature of him. I think people uh, don't recognize that when it's crucial, okay, that second debate, I'll just take you back to yeah. 2016, we're in St. Louis, uh, he's, in, he's under the gun, the Access Hollywood tape has come out, uh, he has to figure out a way to stay in the race. Uh, his poll numbers had dropped significantly after the Access Hollywood tape. 
and he put on a pretty good to very good performance. It's just being objective about it. So when push comes to shove, he knows how to operate inside the bands of normal human behavior. And so uh, I predict he'll do that. Joining us now is Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen. He recently testified against Trump in the civil fraud trial, the first time in five years. They were actually face to face. He's the author of the book Revenge and the host of the podcast Mia Culpa. Um, thanks for joining us. I, I want to start with what we heard from Anthony Scaramucci last hour. We played it at the start of the show that he predicted Trump was going to be kind of calm, cool, collected, stay within the normal bounds of things on the witness stand. What do you think? You spent more time with him over a period, a lengthy period of time than just about anyone. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, I don't see it the same way as Anthony does. Yeah, at the beginning, he's going to try. He's going to try very hard to stay within the lane because he already knows that he's... He and the judge don't clearly see eye to eye. And so he'll try to stay in the lane. But as the prosecutors continue to drill down on him with information and with allegations that he overinflated his net worth by billions, that's going to irritate him because his net worth, his statement of financial condition, it's really a combination of his id, his ego, his superego, all mashed into one narcissistic sociopath. You testified in this trial, and you said on the stand, quote, he being Trump, would look at the total assets, and he would say, quote, I'm actually not worth $4.5 billion. I'm really worth more like six. And then you went on to testify that Alan Weisselberg, the former CFO of the Trump Organization, would reverse engineer the properties to make that math check out. Did Trump know how that all worked? Of course. Um, what we would do is we would take in a document from the year earlier, and we would give it to Donald, and that's where he would make that mob-style type of statement. I'm not worth four and a half, I'm worth five. In fact, I could be se maybe seven or eight. You and Alan go back to Alan's office and figure it out. That's the way he would speak. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand what he wants, but then being with him for over a decade, or Alan Weisselberg for four decades, we knew exactly what he wanted. We accomplished that task, we then returned to his office in order to provide him back with the document for his sign-off. But then you also did testify on the stand that essentially Trump had not specifically told you to do that. He, he implied it. And then Trump used that to go to the judge and say, look here, clear me. And the judge said, no way. But it does seem like your testimony contradicted itself. No, because it's the word specifically. In other words, he never specifically used the words. No different again than a mob boss. Michael, Allen, go to the back, reverse engineer my numbers in order to inflate my assets. It was the matter of the word specifically. Mm. And, you know, I wanted to be truthful when answering that question. No, he did not. But it doesn't need the term specific in order to the difference between implied, right, and implicit. Would there be repercussions if you had not done it? And I think one of the questions is, you know, the implication of what he wanted that you knew because you and Alan had worked with him for so long. Had you not delivered on that, what would have happened? Probably would have been fired, but there was no such thing at the Trump Organization. If Donald Trump tasked you with something, you did it. Even implicitly? Even implicitly. And let's turn now to CNN legal, legal analyst Ellie Honig. Um, all right, Ellie, talk to us. How is this testimony going to play out inside the courtroom? Well, Phil, this is going to get interesting really quickly. Now, in any case, the party who calls the witness to the stand gets to question them first. Ordinarily, that's the easy part. That's what we call direct examination. It's usually a friendly witness. It's usually been prepared. And only after that 
Do we get to cross-examination where the fireworks start? But really important to know, here, the party that is calling Donald Trump to the witness stand is the Attorney General, Letitia James's office. So they're going to get to question Donald Trump first, and only after that are we going to see Donald Trump's own team get to question him. A couple other courtroom dynamics that we need to watch for here. First of all, the dynamic between the judge and Donald Trump, there has been tension between them. The judge has made several legal rulings against Donald Trump. Donald Trump has several made several non-legal attacks on the judge. Will the judge be able to keep Donald Trump in line? And finally, really important to notice, this jury box is empty. There is no jury. The judge is presiding. He is also deciding the case, so he will be watching the witness with that in mind. Also, one other thing we need to watch for in the next couple hours, will Donald Trump take the fifth? All indications are that he will not take the fifth, that he will testify coming out of his camp, but he does have that right to take the fifth. This is a civil case, but he still can say, if my testimony might be used to against me, I can take the fifth, as we just saw in that clip. Uh, Phil, in this case, when he was deposed over a year ago, he took the fifth over 400 times. Important to know. If he does take the fifth, there's some risk. The judge can do what we call draw an adverse inference, meaning the judge can assume the worst about what Donald Trump's testimony would have been. So if he takes the fifth, there's a real downside here. If he doesn't take the fifth and answer his questions, would you expect his defense to be largely in line with what his sons have testified, that the accountants did it, not us? I do. I think we're going to see a very similar defense here. Let's remember the allegation, again, this is a civil suit, the allegation by the attorney general is that the defendants, Trump and his businesses, grossly inflated his personal net worth by billions of dollars. I think we're going to see a couple of main defenses here. First of all, as his sons did last week, Don Jr. and Eric, I think Donald Trump is going to try to push blame down the line and outside. He may say, look, those financial statements, I didn't prepare them. I just signed them. I relied on my accounts. Only gets them so far, though, because the Trump organization as a whole is a defendant here. I think we also are going to see Donald Trump try to defend the alleged overvaluations of his properties. Paula just talked about, if we look at Seven Springs Estate, that was assessed at $30 million or so. Donald Trump and his organization have claimed it was worth $260 million. Obviously, a huge discrepancy. Trump has actually said publicly, I think my valuations were low, if anything. We'll see. But that's going to be an uphill climb because the judges already found, before this trial started, that Trump committed, quote, persistent fraud by submitting false and misleading statements of financial conditions. So Trump's going to have to argue to the judge, essentially, you got it wrong. We undervalued our own assets.